I'm Asam, and this is the Friday Show. It's been another busy week in City World, and joining me to look back and to look forward, I've got the Friday A team. Morning, Jack. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you? Very good, mate. Morning, Howard. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks. Excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to the weekend, Howard. Looking forward to the game. Yeah, I'd rather it was tomorrow, but that's yeah. The pesky Europa League has got in the way, but <laughs> yeah, yes. it should be an interesting game to be honest because. Don't know how it's going to go in a way. So as we'll discuss mm. in a bit, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think Wolves are an interesting team, very interesting team. So, uh, so yeah, um, Jack, how's the week been in the media? Um, relatively quiet, really, up until uh, up until Friday morning when the um, Liverpool news came out. It's kind of Dynamo was just they are what they are, though, aren't they? The Champions League games kind of win them and then move on. Mm. Uh, not a a great deal has happened to be honest no I mean it it, it definitely feels like the the Champions League is basically two tournaments the group stage and then everybody goes on holiday and then it comes back as the real thing which is the the knockout stages Um, but look you've touched upon the uh, the Liverpool thing and that is the opening question so I'm going to ask you first news is emerging today that the FA wants to further investigate into the story that Liverpool paid City a million pounds to cover up a hacking scandal in the 2012-13 season Um, and a bit of detail so what that is is that Manchester City alleged that three Liverpool employees had unlawfully accessed City's Scout 7 platform over an eight month period between June 2012 and Feb 2013 when a year earlier three former City Scouts had joined Liverpool so Jack I'm going to start with you Um, I can't figure out whether this is Massive news or not news? Even when it broke originally, which was like three, four weeks ago, instinctively I went, that's massive. You know, like a club paying another club a million pound hush money almost or like compensation or however you want to look at it. Um, But then at the same time, it's hard to know what the detail of the <clears throat> hacking is. So what's your what's your take on it? Um, well, the detail of the hacking is that um, people who had left Man City had the login details uh, of Rob Newman's um, kind of account for the for the scouting program they were using and kind of logging into that and then part of the uh, part of the investigation that was done by City found that um, basically, kind of a number of different IP addresses have been logging into this account, um, which kind of uh, Rob Newman couldn't have been in all those places, kind of at the same time almost. Um, so it was kind of quite clear cut in quite clear cut in that sense. Um, it's interesting that they they settled between each other, which kind of uh, points you in a direction of, kind of they didn't want to make a massive deal out of this. Um, in 2013, they didn't. They didn't want a big investigation that shone a light on both of them. Um, and you kind of, it's it's always the way with these sort of things that they kind of come out years and years later, don't they? Where everyone at City and Liverpool probably would have forgotten about it. And I don't. It's it is massive news because these sort of things don't happen. I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure they happen in business and other kind of industries but in football you kind of people talk about that football family and things like that oh no oh people look after each other but they don't um so it, i'm not surprised that they they settled between each other um and i'm not surprised it's taken so long to come out why has it come out now i think i think people Certain journalists had the story a few years ago, but City and Liverpool were both minded to keep it hush hush because it was a private settlement. Um, and it the way these things work is, if a paper or a journalist has got a be in the bonnet about it, it'll come out. It's just that no one's had a proper a proper go at it uh, until now. Mm. Okay. Um, do you think there will be ramifications for Liverpool? <clears throat> And what kind of is there any precedent for this? I mean, is the Bielsa spying on training thing is that a precedent, or is that 
just too far removed from what's gone on here to be seen as a precedent. I think that is quite far removed, isn't it? Because, the, you know, City were talking espionage and things like that, whereas Leeds were, were talking a, a bloke turning up at a training ground with his binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, which is um, slightly different. I don't, I don't really... Obviously, it's interesting the FA want to... Uh, want to know the facts and want details of what happened. I think given um, the story came out two weeks ago, I think the FA have got to be seen to be asking for that um, as part of their kind of role as custodians of the game. I'm not really sure where it can go because of the because of the settlement. You would have thought that the settlement drew a line under it um, and it would take someone very brave at the FA to then hand down further punishment I think to Liverpool where are the Premier League in all of this because obviously you know surely there is a there is a an agreement between Premier League clubs or some type of contract with the Premier League about you, you see what I'm saying here and then how do the how do the Premier because the, the thing that I find strange I guess is that so City and Liverpool have come to a hush hush settlement but Surely even the hush-hush settlement should be against Premier League rules. That fundamentally, if one club does something, acts unlawfully towards another Premier League club, it's almost irrelevant what they settle on. The Premier League must have its own investigation and act, no? Uh, Yeah, you'd think so. But the the FA rule on kind of disciplinary stuff and laws of the game so fundamentally, I would say it would come down to the FA rather than the Premier League, although they do have a rule that says that each club should behave towards each other and the league with the utmost good faith. I mean, that you could take that in any direction, couldn't you, that line? Yep. Um, yep. And I, I don't think the Premier League would want to become embroiled in it and would probably point in the direction of the FA just because the FA are the ones that kind of take care of the as I said before, the kind of laws and the this sort of thing. I honestly, so I don't, I, I understand your point about the settlement. Is that, is that right? It's, that's a very, there's a lot of grey area there, isn't it? Because the fundamentally, they're two corporate businesses that have done a deal between each other. True. Now, I, I don't, know, I don't know what anyone I don't know what anyone can do can do about that. I think the difference is that or certainly for me, it's like, well, yes, they're two corporate businesses that have done a deal between each other, but they're also governed by a governing body, not by one governing body, by many governing bodies who have plenty of rules and regulations. And if one club it's a little bit like the financial services institution, right? Where if 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 one bank rips and all the bank off yeah the two banks can do a deal but if the governing bodies get hold of the information there will be ramifications because they have to that's the point of the governing body so what i'm driving at here is i well certainly from my point of view i don't see how everybody can take a hands-off approach and go well city and liverpool settled five years ago so there's nothing we can do because the settlement is just a private settlement it's irrelevant to any laws or any regulations that may or may not have been broken that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes complete sense. Um, the other thing, I, not issue, but the other point I'd probably raise is when all the Dish Beagle stuff came out last year, uh, City supporters were pointing towards the timing and it had been done years and years ago. And why has this been kind of raked over now? The club shouldn't be punished for what kind of previous people had, had done at the club. Now, I think Liverpool would have a fair case of arguing that as well. Mm, yeah, sure. And I'm under no illusions that City have done this themselves, that City have put this out there. And I'm under no illusions that there's there's probably an element of, you know, what Khaldun said in his end-of-season interview last season. I, I think there's enough animosity now between Liverpool and City for City to to basically leak this or at least speak to somebody and say, you've got to do this story because it is a big deal. Um, do you think there's animosity at the high levels then? 100%. Yeah. 100%. So if, if this thing had happened 
last year, then there'd have been no £1 million settlement. It would have been a very Absolutely. different story. Absolutely. I, I, this is pure speculation. I wonder if this is tit for tat for other things that have come out. Of course it is. That, that's, but, certainly how it, yeah. that's certainly how it looks to me. Um, Jack, one thing. I, I'm not sure, but... Well, I am sure uh, that the... The Der Spiegel, the Der Spiegel stuff, uh, it's slightly different in that it's, you're talking about, for me, with that, that's a case of the investigation has to be, if that, that's, there has to be a conversation about the documents that were leaked, right? Because they were leaked, but there has to, there's been a conversation and there's been an investigation into city and financial fair play. Now you're right that a lot of city supporters said, you know what? It's from five years ago. Why is it being brought up now? Well, the truth is it's being brought up now because the documents were leaked last year and that's why that's happening. But my point is that there has been an investigation or and there is an ongoing investigation into Manchester City over various things. So why will there not be a real investigation into this, that this is not a, like if you remove the kind of the tribalism and and the, you know, the social media arguing, the truth of the matter is that there should be an investigation into this and there should be some ramifications. If you want to say, which everybody wants to say, there has to be an investigation into city's finances and there have to be ramifications if they're found to have uh, breached the financial fair play rules. Now, City might argue the the toss in courts, but that's the that's the accepted logic for the moment. And City's name as a club has been dragged through the mud since the Der Spiegel leaks for this. And we have to wear that and accept it. I'm I just feel that the clear, clear, clear difference between Liverpool and Man City is in the way that these two stories have been reported because ultimately the Der Spiegel stories went from the Der Spiegel newspapers to every back page. Everybody covered them. Every podcast covered them. Everybody had an opinion. Everybody had an opinion almost weekly or daily even for, for months on end. Whereas this thing was written in one newspaper. I've not heard one podcast cover it. I've not seen it written in, in several newspapers. I've just not seen any appetite for anybody to even question whether Michael Edwards and his cronies did anything wrong. And that just feels a bit... I mean, I'm, you know, call me an agenda monkey or an agenda merchant, but it just feels a bit like that's the case. Howard, am I, am I over-egging this? Do you think that there is an element of, you know, I'm just saying that because I'm a City fan, or do you think that it would... So, for example, if this was the reverse and City had hacked Liverpool's uh, scouting yeah. computers five years ago, how do you think the media would deal with it? Yeah. Well, obviously, completely different. So, uh, to answer this, I have to go into full whataboutery mode, I'm afraid. Uh, of course, it would be different because there's no one shouting about it from the city end, I think is the key thing here. Whereas if it had been the other way around, lots of uh, uh, there's more influence from certain clubs in the media, which, yeah, that, that's, <clears throat> that's full paranoia mode for me, but it's just the way it is. There is, you know, we all know. Uh, some shout louder than others, and that's how the narratives and the coverage is uh, is is sometimes decided. Uh, yeah, it's a start. To be honest, you know, my personal view is I ain't that bothered. <laughs> no, neither am I. I mean, I'm as just... a Liverpool fan, I, I wouldn't be. I'd be embarrassed to be calling for City to be kicked out of Europe because of they moved some money around five years ago. And let's be honest, no one's no most fans are not really bothered about that either. But they're just latching on to something, you know, to try and get a punishment and because of tribalism. I I'm sure if we knew everything about every club, it would be dirty as hell and there'd be a hundred stories like this. But there'd be no game left. <laughs> well totally. it's always been like this. It was in like this in the nineties, just uh like Tom Bow or something, broken dreams. Just read about Read the Harry Redknapp chapters in there. You know, football's it's a global <laughs> no, but it's a global game, it will attract yeah, when they're prepared to just gain tiny advantages, when to put ten pounds on a season ticket, uh, the owners will do anything, and they'll they'll all straddle the line between right and wrong and the grey areas, and you know, 
Liverpool, City, they've all had bans for underage player recruitment. They've all had FFP problems. You know, it's all going on. It's And it's so much, it kind of washes over me. But the simple fact is, this should be a much bigger story going on how <coughs> other stories have been covered. The mm. fact it isn't is quite telling. And in a week, you know... <sighs> Terrible things happen at Derby and Bernardo tweet is somehow top because it's kind of fueled itself that. It's it's kind of been buried because of other stories. Uh, the fact the FA, yeah, they need to look. I feel they're obliged to look into it in the same way that whatever yeah. you think about Bernardo Silva, <laughs> they're obliged to charge him. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's just... Go on. But yeah, sorry. They're obliged to look into this and the, the excuses will come out. But it is, to me... No different to City's FFP. It's a different FFP problems. It's years ago, but that does not ex- means it can just be swept under the carpet. Of course, it's a different organisation investigating it, and I feel the outcome will be much less severe than City's will be. Well, I would yeah. say, and there's two points here. One of them is, I think every website has covered it. Um, I think it's on all the websites today. Not sure about today, I've not checked today, but certainly when it came out um, really? two weeks ago on the Friday night, it was on most of the websites by Saturday morning. Um, okay, fair and enough. The second, and the second one is City are offering absolutely no comment, yeah. which makes it very, very difficult to, unless you've got the unless you've got the documents, it's very, very difficult to, to look into it. Um, and it is one of those stories where one newspaper is leading away um, and you've kind of, a city briefing that paper outside of everybody else, do you reckon? I'm asking you to speculate, obviously. Uh, no. Okay. That said no to me when I've asked, so um, take the take the word on kind of face value. I mean, just mm. going back to talking about the kind of settlement in general and, and De Spiegel, De Spiegel will have had these emails... We'll, we'll have had emails talking about this. Um, of course they would. Just dawned on me that. Of course all of that stuff will be in that trove of documents. You would have thought so. Took, yeah, he just took entire inboxes and uh, and copied them over, allegedly. I should be careful about what I say. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that all of that information will have been in Der Spiegel as well. Funny it never came out. Mm, That's a so shame. I'd love to see those emails. That was the, that was the first thing that uh, came to mind when I read the story initially. Um, and the second thing is, it's kind of talking about, uh, should Liverpool be punished, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And is it, is it different to kind of other cases? Well, yes, it is different because the alleged victim in City have taken £1 million from Liverpool um, and kind of wanted to sweep it under the carpet and that'd be that. And I'm guessing here, I'm speculating, but you would assume that one a £1 million settlement is probably more than have got um, through an invest- investigation by either the FA or the Premier League. Mm. Do you think there's an element of um, doing it in that manner at the time because it makes look City look bad on some level? I mean, it's pretty... Change your passwords after the scouts leave. It seems like a pretty logical thing to do. Do you know what I mean? Like, irrespective of the level of business. Um, well, they have scouts coming and going all the time, though. I think they were just... Unfortunate, and you wouldn't expect it. You wouldn't expect it from people, would you? No, no, I suppose not. But then, okay, fair enough. Um, Howard, for, la- last kind of word on this. Do you feel that? Um, I mean, you kind of said you're not bothered, but at the same time, what can the FA do? What, in your opinion, since they've all, Liverpool have already paid us a million pound, let's say that the FA investigate and they find out that it's true that the as it's been reported in the Times, this thing happened and Liverpool paid City a million pounds. What can he, What do you think the FA should do? Warn Liverpool? <laughs> dock them five Premier League points? Can they dock Premier League points? Like, how do they deal with it? Well, that's it. I can't answer that. There's just, there's no answer to stuff like that. There's no answer to how City should be punished for moving for an alternative spot, you know, for covering a sponsorship deal. There's literally no, there's no rule book for this. Mm. There's no, there's no logic to why they should be thrown out of the Champions League. There's no, it's impossible. I mean, you'd have to look at their own rules on this, on what FA rules have been breached, 
and what they say the possible punishments are. And I just can't honestly tell you what they, if it's all guilty. I mean, the other problem, you know, one of the issues is the guy, the guy who's done it is still at Liverpool and has been promoted. So it's not ex-employees, which could have made it go away a lot easier, I think. I have no answer to that. I don't, how can you say they should be docked five points? It's just so arbitrary. It's just like it's plucking a punishment out of thin Doesn't air. Doesn't feel arbitrary to me, mate. Just look at the Premier League table this morning. Five points seems <laughs> uh, seems a very reasonable number of points to be docking them for for such a flagrant uh, a flagrant <laughs> breaking of the law somewhere. I'm let's, sure of it. Let's make it six. <laughs> yeah, when, okay. I was, when I was saying like kind of for for former employees at Liverpool before, I was meaning kind of. Ian Eyre was um, running the club at the time and has obviously since left and he the kind of butt wouldn't have stopped with him, I suppose. Mm. Whereas Michael Edwards is obviously kind of a huge figure around Liverpool now, but wasn't at the time. Um, and normally these sort of investigations focus their attention on the guy running it rather yeah. than people doing things underneath. So that's kind of, given Eyre's gone, I thought that mm. that'd be the reason why they can't really do much, but... Mm, I mean, I just, I, I don't think that they're putting all the jokes aside. I don't think any will, anything will happen. No, there um, is zero chance of points being deducted for starters. <laughs> there's zero chance of them even getting fined because they'll just go, well, we gave City a million quid. More do you want? And that'd be kind of be fair enough as well. Well, so, they've, they've never admitted guilt and City, I don't, I'm not commenting. So <laughs> it'll be brushed off as a, Absolutely. An oversight or a mistake. I don't know how you can accidentally uh, go into the system, but it won't go in. I don't think it'll go very far. It will be a fine, a suspended sentence or something like that. You'd need City to make a big fuss about it publicly for anything to happen. And if they're basically going no comment, then that's pretty much going to get brushed under the carpet anyway. And to totally, totally speculate, this might just be City flexing their muscles to show to Liverpool... If you know, I think it is. if hypothetically they have allowed, yeah, released this or allowed it to be released, then it's just telling Liverpool <laughs> in future, you know, let's just have a let's not let's not drag each other into the uh, the gutter and release stuff. Or you know, that's I know nothing about these sort of things, but sometimes it can be just to send a message out, can't it? That we've all got we've all got uh, dirt we can dish on other clubs. Uh, let's be adult and gentleman about these things yeah absolutely absolutely um okay let's move on i think that's enough on on liverpool breaking the law and hacking into <laughs> city's uh scouting uh network shocking shocking behavior um so city played everton last weekend and then zagreb in midweek won both games different types of games but the win i guess is the only thing that matters um Jack, maybe let's focus on on Everton with you just to begin with. There was a lot of, in the City world, it was pretty interesting after the game. The conversation was quite divided in terms of, there was one side of the fence that really felt like it was a really poor defensive performance. Um, And then there was the other side of the fence that was going, Goodison Park is one of the toughest (laughs) places to go to in the league. And it was an excellent performance because they've come away with a 3-1 win. Um, where do you fall on that? Um, Goodison Park isn't one of the toughest places to go when you score an early goal. And they did score an early goal. Um, and teams, when they've, when they've got an early goal at Goodison Park over the last few years, have managed to control the game and City didn't. Um, defensively, I mean, there was... I didn't I didn't see the game live because I, for some reason, found myself at Aston Villa last Saturday. Um, so I was listening to it on the way back. The... They were under the cosh, weren't they? Like severely under the cosh. Um mm. and Edison didn't get quite as much credit as he ought to have done, I don't think, on Saturday, because he kind of bailed them out a few times. Um, which is obviously what he's there for, and they're gonna have to rely on him more than they ever have before. Um for a number of reasons, really. Obviously, the kind of the obvious one is lack of central defenders. Um, but with that you kind of you're missing Fernandinho in midfield. Rodri's learning the position, um, and admitted as as much earlier this week uh, when he spoke before the the Dynamo game. Positionally, he's still he's still learning. I mean, 
his statistics are absolutely wonderful. Um, and if you were looking at statistics alone, you'd go flipping at what a signing he's been. And he will prove to be a brilliant signing and he is passing the ball well and he's making crucial interceptions. But he does, he is getting turned around in midfield quite a lot at the moment. Mm. Um, which will come, that'll come. But unfortunately, they're in the business where they've got to win every week and they've not got Fernandinho to play midfield. So he's going to have to learn it quite quick. Uh, but I think they'll look at it generally as a as an excellent result, and that they've they've come they've come through something. I think that's the that's the key thing. That yeah, they were under the cosh, but they did come through it in the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Howard, pushing forward into the uh, into the Zagreb game, um, is it when you get to these Champions League weeks? Is it is there really any point in trying to analyze performances? Is it surely not just a case of if you get three points at the weekend, you get three points in the Champions League. It doesn't really matter what happened in the games. Yeah, or Is that too binary? No, no. I mean, it's a league format, but it's still a cup competition in a way. And nothing that happens now really has much relevance in, you know, City meet Bayern Munich in a key match in February, you know, over two legs in the last eight. Nothing that happened against Zagreb really means anything, does it? You know, nothing that, it won't, it won't have any bearing, really, on playing a very, very different and better side six months later. Uh, I, all I can say is it was, you know, <clears throat> I'm quite happy that City, don't, you know, with 80% possession, City did a very professional job on the night and that's pretty much all you can take from it. And the opposition, who I thought would be much more dangerous, barely ventured into... Well, barely ventured into our penalty area, certainly, and not very often ventured into our half. So, yeah, yeah, it's one of those. They got the three points, they deserved it. You walk away. Six points after two games, they're halfway there, you know, to get through to the knockout stage. Perhaps more, mm. than, perhaps more than halfway. So. Okay. They're far more dangerous um, off the pitch, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, Jack, how do you think the two fullbacks did, Mendy and Mendy and Cancelo? Um, and then once you've answered that, just kind of project it forward into the weekend and, and talk to me about whether you think Mendy can start again on Sunday. Um, and then we'll have a separate conversation about Walker and, and Cancelo and Walker losing his place in the England side. But yeah, just tell me how the how you think the fullbacks did in midweek. Uh, I thought Mendy did all right. I think he's getting there. It's going to take a while, uh, which again, kind of going back to what we were saying before, they've not really got a while, have they? Um, they need them fit and firing now. Uh, but he does seem to be feeling his way back in and I was quite impressed with him. I thought he, I thought he played quite well. Um, Cancelo, very similar. You can see he's a superb player. Um, there are a couple of times where... <clears throat> I mean, there was what the there was the booking, wasn't there? That he kind of out of position a little bit and was stretching. And I think talking about Mendy, that I don't, think, I can't see Mendy playing on Sunday. I could be completely wrong, but I, I don't think he'll start on on Sunday. But it'd be great to see him come back regularly and start playing important games. But at the moment, I think it's Zinchenko's um, until Mendy proves that he's able to do it for 90 minutes and he's he can bomb up and down up and down the line. Mm. Um and the, I mean the frightening thing is when once Mendy can do that it adds a completely different dimension to Sterling's game. You open yeah. you open up Sterling um and he'll become even more dangerous than he is now. Yeah. Yeah, no absolutely. Um Howard we had the Foden conversation. In fact, I'm going to have it with Jack first because Jack, obviously, you talked to Phil when he was away as well at the uh, at the at the under twenty ones. Um, the goal that he scores is that a snapshot of why he's different to the other number eights? Uh, Maybe with the exception of De Bruyne, I feel as though there's something about Phil's. I think Pep said it last year as well that in and around the box, he's got that smell for goals. Yeah, he's diff- he's even different to De Bruyne in that sense in that the timing of his runs into the box. He's different. He's kind of he's obviously a different player to De Bruyne, and De Bruyne's got a far greater passing range. But Foden's 
darts and his timing of his runs, you can't, I don't think you can teach. He's just got that instinct and he knows when to pull back and when to go. Um, and you were kind of, as they were breaking on Tuesday night, you, you just knew what was going to happen. Foden was going to stick that ball in the net eventually because you knew he'd be up with play and he'd time it just right. And the finish, the finish was downplayed slightly. On his wrong foot, right in the corner. Um, it was just it, what you're right. It's a snapshot of what he can, what he can go on and, and achieve. And they should be really excited about kind of getting him into getting him into the team more often um, because he does give them something a little bit extra. I mean, David Silver, mate, under Pep, David Silver started to make similar runs, hasn't he? But obviously, Foden's quicker over five yards. Yeah. Which yeah, can, which can, the, that can be all the difference, can't it? Absolutely. He's got the legs to get up and down the pitch as well in a way that maybe David Silva doesn't over 90 minutes. And loves a tackle anymore. as well. He's like a man... He was like crazed on Tuesday when he came on. I know that would have been... <laughs> that would have been frustration uh, and wanting to prove himself. But he was flying into tackles in that five minutes. Mm. Do you, is there something that he can do to elevate himself? Or do you think that... It's almost a case of it's really doesn't matter how well he performs in training or when he gets on the pitch. The senior players ahead of him are so experienced that he just doesn't get in this season that we almost have to take the lesson of the first four or five, six games of the season in terms of going, look, this is going to be another season where Phil Foden is going to be used very, very sparingly. Yeah, I think generally he's going to be used sparingly, but look at that bench on Tuesday night. He was the only midfielder on it. And does he play? Oh, I don't know. I'm just having a look at who played him in Gundogan, David Silva, and Rodri. Does he play them all again on Sunday? I don't know. De Bruyne's De Bruyne's out. So why why shouldn't Phil Foden be given a given a chance to play on Sunday? If he's good, if he's good enough for the squad, then he's good enough to start. And everywhere else, everyone else has been rotated. So why should he be any different? Given the majority of times that he plays, he plays well. I know he. Did, I know there have been Cardiff last year. Uh, he didn't do great at Preston the other week, but he is. He does generally make an impact when he when he's on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder whether because uh, because it's an international break and because David Silva doesn't play international football, yeah, yeah. I wonder whether Pep doesn't just go, I'm going to play the same midfield again because I can, because Silva's going to, you know, the idea being go out there and hopefully you've got, you can bring David Silva off after an hour, after 70 minutes with the game more secure um, than it is at the start. Yeah, and also so, if it was Saturday match, I think, you know, it's talked about David Silva perhaps being a one in two games guy in his last season, which hasn't really panned out. Well, the fact that it's Sunday as well, I think yeah. that he's, per- you know, he's in the perfect position to play again. Does Gundogan yeah. need to play against Wolves at home? Yeah, but that's kind of the point though, isn't it? I mean, for me, you almost do Phil Foden a disservice when you characterise it like that, just because it's not about whether Gundo needs to play, because for me, Foden can offer more. No, I mean, from a, from a tactical point of view. Ah, tactically, hmm. Would he need to play against Wolves? I think so. I mean, look, if I was Guardiola and I was picking the team for Sunday, I'd view Wolves as one of the top 10 teams in the league. And therefore I'd go, I'm not taking any risks here. So I put out my best, my most experienced, my strongest 11. So I pick Gundogan and I pick David Silva and I pick Rodri if I'm Pep. Um, As a fan, of course I want him to pick Foden, but I'm... I'm coming round to the idea that it's, you know, Liverpool just keep winning games and that means that we just need to keep winning games and the pressure to keep winning games is going to ensure that the team selections are the safest and the least controversial or the least risky in a way. Um, And I think Pep will view throwing Foden, even at 19, even with the quality that he's got, throwing him in against Wolves from the start and putting Gundogan on the bench. I don't think he'll view that as a risk that he wants to take. So the way, yeah, the way I'd see it is he kind of <clears throat> look at Wolves' midfield, Foden playing. Does he then push Matinho back and get Matinho further away from City's goal? 
Maybe. Maybe. You're saying that the other two can't do that? You think that with Gundo and with, with Silva, they they have the potential to basically push the other way, to have Martinho really pushed up onto our halfway line and trying to cause damage for us? Do I we... Th- I, th- I just I think with Foden you play five ten yards further forward than mm. than with a than with a Gundogan because Gundogan's is he- kind of a default setting is to kind of reset um, whereas Foden wants to go and press a bit more and put people under pressure. Mm. Okay, I think if you get if you get legs around those midfielders that Wolves have got, you kind of you'll I mean. <laughs> doesn't matter who they play they get a lot of joy in midfield won't they but I think they'll get even more if you get legs around the likes of Matinho and really really pressure him on the ball yeah mm. I guess that even hearing you say all that and even though I can completely see why it's logical and I agree with it I still just think in the end he goes with that experience three because he values experience yeah I, agree. I think he will I agree with you I just if I was him I might be thinking slightly differently yeah yeah, totally. Um, Howard, no Kyle Walker in the England squad. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really rate Southgate's explanation either that the two boys that came in did so well going forward, and Walker's more of a defensive fullback. I don't really know. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just a bit like, yeah, no, Gareth, I'm not, I'm not really fully convinced by that. Do you, do you think that Trippier and, and Alexander Arnold have warranted a place ahead of Walker? No, <laughs> it's hard because I think that's the most competitive position in the England squad right now. Uh, mm. And that's what's done for him. But to just drop your first choice, you know, he's been first choice for years and he's not done anything disastrous that, you know, the rest of the team, you know, the, the team as a whole has had some bad games, perhaps in the end of the Nations League or here and there. I understand, you see, the, this is the problem England are qualifying. Uh, everyone knows it. <laughs> They're going to be at the finals. It's So Southgate can do what he wants. He wants to experiment, try some players. But I still find it very bizarre that he can go from first choice to being out of a squad. And I don't think it's something he would do to a lot of other players. I think it's very harsh. I know some City fans would be happy that he's not playing over the break because it uh, keeps him fresh. But... You want your players to be happy themselves and Kyle Walker won't be happy with this. So you hope that his response to it is just to, you know, knuckle down even more and fight back for that place. He will be back in that squad at some... You know, he'd have to have a real collapse of form at club level for him not to be back in the squad. But I find it weird that Trippier can have a couple of good weeks for Atletico Madrid and come in. I mean, he knows these players as well. Uh Trent Alexander-Arnold is a great player, so, you know. Alexander-Arnold's the one for the next 10 years, three... isn't he? So... Sorry, go on. Alexander-Arnold's the one for the next 10 years, isn't he? And he's he's going, right, you're my man. Yeah. yeah. But Trippier, I just find it very strange. He needs to look at him. Well, he knows all about Trippier. He must know enough about him. He doesn't need to look at him. And It is harsh, but it's the strongest position in the squad. That, you know, there's three excellent choices there. But Trippier's the third choice for me. Clearly, uh, so mm. it's yeah, it's it's tough, and you know someone like Lingard's finally been dropped. Southgate gets muddled with his explanations sometimes. He says that he won't go on reputation or go on form, and yet players like Lingard were holding. And Ali Deli Ali has not had a good run of form for a long time now, and yet because you know they've done all right for England, they stay in the squad. Well, yeah, it's just different explanations for different players. He seems to have got his confused. Finally, Lingard's gone, so, yeah, which had to happen. But for Walker, I don't think there's really a case, especially, you know, someone says he's gone off the boil a bit, but he started the season superbly. So, yeah, what is it? One or two average games has been enough to see him dropped out of the squad. Uh, Mm. Yeah, pretty harsh for me. Um, Jack, do you think that his England career is pretty much done now in the sense that with the age that he's at, if you look at the age of Trippier and you look at the age of Alexander-Arnold, is there a chance that Walker never gets back in? Uh, as a first-choice pick, yeah, that I think that's it. Just because of the excellence of Alexander-Arnold. 
I think he'll get into he'll get into squads, um, but he won't be England's number one right back anymore. Uh, obviously, kind of depends on depends on injuries, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I think he's he's now a squad player. I kind of wonder whether the experiment at the World Cup hasn't done him any favours as well. Mm, I know what you mean. You know, he kind of he never kind of played that position before. Then why why has he been made to play it at a at a World Cup? Um, and obviously made made mistakes. And I don't know whether that feeling about how he played at the World Cup has has lingered a little bit with Southgate. I don't know. Um, but I mean, we've not even mentioned Wan Bissaka either. There's like four yeah. wow. pretty yeah. good right backs, even though. Not Wan Bissaka's biggest fan. I don't. I don't think he does enough going forward. Maybe he. Maybe he will as he as he gets older. Um, but yeah, there's four of them, isn't there? It's. I find it very difficult to see. Or, I'll be surprised if if Walker made it in his first choice again. Mm. Yeah, I mean to be honest, like I can never get too emotional about players not playing for their country because I'm like, God, you get rest. Works for me. Um, so maybe it, even if it is harsh from Walker's point of view, I'm all right with Walker. Getting a rest. He might be one of those that turns around in six years' time and says, well, that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it's prolonged my career by two years. Totally, totally. Um, Particularly playing in Pep's team, particularly with Cancelo coming in, knowing that he's got competition for his his spot at at, at club level as well. Um, It could potentially be a a blessing in disguise. Well, I mean, that's the other interesting thing because they spent so much money on Cancelo. Surely he must see him as the long-term fullback. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, I think that I think the good thing with Guardiola, and we can complain about it with Foden, but this is you know this is the flip side of that that he does value experience and he does have he, he values the hierarchy that he creates in the dressing room inside the squad. And I think that Kyle Walker's a senior player, and in that sense, his form's got to fall off a cliff for him to get dropped. I think Cancelo's a player who will be at City for the next five, six, seven years and will eventually be the first choice right back in the same way that Foden will be at City for the next five, six, seven years and will eventually be the first choice number eight. Yeah, I take your point about the amount of money that was spent on him, but I don't think that like maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see Guardiola as the type of manager that goes, "Well, the club spent this much money on him, so I must play him every week." I think he will, in that sense, go off merit, and he's got his hierarchy. and And Walker, Cancelo's basically got to win that place off Walker, in my opinion. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about Wolves. Um, Howard, uh. Going into the game this weekend, City could be eight points behind already if Liverpool beat Leicester on Saturday. Is that relevant? Does it matter who plays first at this stage, stage of the season? Nah, I don't think players are giving it too much thought at this point. Uh didn't seem to be too relevant last season when we were in the absolute you know, middle of an intense league title race, so... You know, because the two teams rarely played at the same time, did they? So, no, I don't think it matters at all, to be honest. They, they just, they'll be looking at it as we need to beat Wolves. That's it. doesn't really matter. Whatever happens to Liverpool, it's like, well, we have a match and, or we've got a chance to close the gap. doesn't make any difference. We still need to beat Wolves. Okay. So, I don't, I mean, we've just entered October. I think it matters more for the fans than, because <laughs> yeah, we're all constantly looking at the league table. Uh, but I don't think the players do it at this stage of the season, to be honest. They just want mm. to keep the run going. That's all That's all that matters, really. Just keep winning. Because after Norwich, that was probably the key thought. Right, we just we need to go on a run now. So, uh, no, I don't think it'll be that important. Okay. Um, Jack, talk to me about Wolves' start to the season. I mean, it's it's been a tough start for them. I... I uh, for a team who did so well last season, they, they've started slowly. Um, are they better than their league position suggests? And are you surprised by their start? Yeah, they are. They are better. Uh, two kind of things, I suppose. Europe's taken out of them. Um, as we found with loads of teams over the years, particularly early on in the season. And the start to the Premier League season has actually not been the easiest. Uh 
They caught Chelsea on a difficult day. Um, they've played Leicester. Uh, they've played United, and obviously people would say, well, <laughs> well we, know, we know what people would say about Man United. But that was kind of game two of the season, um, and United had just come off the back of hammering Chelsea, albeit fortuitous, fortuitously. Um, so they've had the three difficult, tricky games, um, they'll be disappointed with the Burnley game. They'll be disappointed with the with the Palace with the Palace game as well. Uh, they beat Watford in the last uh, last week, which was obviously a huge result given the given the league table. Um, but I mean, the interesting thing that I uh, I saw overnight after the after the one against uh, Besiktas was the manager calling the players out really and saying, "Yeah, mm. won last night, but I'm not." not massively impressed and he says he's obsessed to find out why the players aren't performing mm. which I don't know you kind of saw it with Burnley last year where they had such a good season the year before and it's very very difficult to kind of maintain those levels and obviously it's slightly different because Wolves have got a, um, a better squad but it it doesn't matter who you are and it might happen with City it's, sometimes it's difficult to retain that level of performance over two seasons. Mm. Because, yeah, I mean, they put players in, but I've read some, but I've not seen much of Wolves. I saw them at lost at Everton. Uh, I've seen that some say that, well, they're still using the same players as last season, so the new players have not featured much. And uh, you wonder if there's a staleness there. But is it really second season a bit quick to be stale with using the same team? But well, maybe there was that that boost and desire, having been promoted last season, that that carried them through. And now it's the second season syndrome, where they've got games coming thick and fast, and somehow that you know it doesn't really take much, does it, to to fall off the cliff in terms of performance? Just a little no. downturn and something like the Europa League can do that. But they're up to beating Watford, puts them in thirteenth now, so only two points behind United, which obviously doesn't mean that much. <laughs> But it's so, but it's so tight that another win would see him bounce, you know, into the top seven or eight. So they're not really that. They're not adrift. It's not as if they were second bottom in January. Uh, they could have won at Leicester if the disallowed goal had, you know, been rightfully given, in my opinion. So yeah, I don't think it's a huge. They haven't fallen off a cliff. I think in terms of performance, they're just not finely tuned like they were last season. Mm, I think I um. I read somewhere that actually they didn't qualify for the, the Europa League until uh, after the transfer window had closed because they were in the playoffs to play in the Europa League. Um, and they made a decision to not buy players without being sure they were in the Europa League. So the squad is actually smaller than it should be for a side playing in the Europa League and that they will go and buy in January. Um, but they didn't buy in the summer because they didn't know whether they'd be in the Europa League when the uh, when the transfer window closed. I think it was actually on a Duncan Castles podcast, that, which sounds about right. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so just looking at specifically at the game on Sunday, um, Jack, firstly you, what kind, of a, what kind of a challenge are they going to be bearing in mind that they were in Turkey in midweek in the Europa League? Uh... Well, it's always Wolves are always difficult opponents, aren't they? Um, I know we've been saying that tricky starts the season, whatever, but they are uh, a very, very good side. They kind of I'm just having a look at their results after Europa League games this season. So they drew at home to Burnley, and then drew away at Palace as well, and lost at Everton. So three bad results immediately after the Europa League game which means that it's probably the best time to be playing them and he's mm. not and he played a good team last night and the, 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 the Wolves are going for the Europa, Europa League it's not like other teams in the past where they've been playing second second string sides it was it was a good side and Turkey's not an easy place to get back from it takes a while uh they won't be back till kind of this morning. They're always dangerous, but I think after playing away in Europe, I think it's it's a perfect 
perfect time to be playing them. Howard, bearing in mind it's the perfect time to be playing them, uh, what kind of team... How does Pep approach this, basically, from a selection point of view? What would you do, based on what you saw in in midweek against Zagreb, what would be your preferred... You don't have to give me a full lineup, but, like, you know, obviously, so the key positions are who's going to play at fullback for you, who's going to play in number nine, and who's going to play in the two wide positions? Yeah, I think I think you'll swap the fullbacks again. Uh, so Zinchenko and Walker come in for you? Yeah. I yeah I have my doubts like exactly what Jack said. Do they want Mendy playing another ninety minutes? Maybe they'll be fine with it, but it's just my feeling is uh, they'll swap back again. Uh, send, yeah, otherwise the three in the middle defenders and Rodri stays the same. I think Sergio starts again because at the Etihad he is lethal and Jesus did fine. But I don't think he's made his case to, you know, to dislodge him. So I'm feeling he's Aguero, and I think he'll go with Mares and Sterling. I think Raheem Sterling has to come back in because he showed, yeah, you know, because just because, uh, and in the middle, yeah, I think he'll stick as you say with the uh, with Silver Gundogan type. That the three in the middle will be the same as against Zagreb. So I think Bernardo may drop back, you know, maybe on the bench. Is my feeling. Uh, okay. I think basically, I mean, they've had two clean sheets this week, Wolves. But if I do think they are very susceptible, you know, their defence does have leaks in it. That's what it's shown this season. And I think basically, whatever team he picks, it's about dominating the ball again and going at them from a very early stage. Because I really do think I'm not sure the solidity is there in that Wolves. Uh, defense. I don't think the defense are protected from midfield, so he'll just be looking to get it wide. Get mm, I think. I think. I think, that, I think it'll go. You know, intense and huge, dominate the ball from early rather than just you know a patient approach. Yeah, I mean, I think fast starts are the uh, are the way for this city team, and I think with Wolves have got some defensive issues. I think. The boy they've taken from Real Madrid on loan, Vallejo, has struggled to settle so far. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm loath to get into predicting scores, but I, I feel as though City should have enough on Sunday to get past Wolves. Jack, do you think City will have enough to get past Wolves on Sunday? Yeah, I think they'll win 2-0. Okay. Howard? Yeah. 3-1. Uh, okay. Excellent. Um, so, finally, to wrap this up, we're going to have a quick chat about Liverpool, who play Leicester, which is first versus third in the Premier League. Um, Jack, what have you made of Leicester so far this season? Are they as good as, like, there's this weird kind of thing where it's like, I've seen a lot of press this week of Brendan Rodgers is really underrated and he should be getting more credit than he deserves. Do you agree with that? That's the first question. Yeah, he's done a really good job. Um, I don't think you can dispute that. I think they they look a really polished team. They don't look like they're missing Harry Maguire. They're dangerous going forward. He's gone. He's got back to play into Vardy's strengths, uh, which was a big thing, which wasn't wasn't the case under the previous manager. Uh, I saw them against Tottenham the other week, um, and while I didn't think Tottenham played quite as badly as people were making out, Leicester was superb. They were really, really good. Um, and the only kind of blemish they've had really is the the United game where they were a little bit toothless um, but they're so dangerous on the and the thing about the game on, on Saturday at Liverpool so dangerous on the break and it doesn't matter who who they play against that ball over the top Vardy's going to beat his centre half nine times out of ten and they get so mm. much joy out of it and they're beginning now to get Pete because they've got runners from midfield they're getting people in and around him quickly, mm. and Rogers Rogers done a done a great job, and I think ah uh, you would expect them to to break the top six certainly. Yeah, um, do you think that Liverpool are wobbling? And what I mean by that is, I, I know that there have been moments in Guardiola's City career where you felt as though a defeat has been coming. 
if that makes sense, that you're kind of, you're performing and you're doing all right and everything is still there, but you just feel it. You sense something has changed. It's not quite the machine that it was. Are we beginning to see that with Liverpool? I thought we saw that with Liverpool quite a lot last year, to be honest. I don't think it was the it was the a complete winning machine uh, to the same extent that City City was. They won loads of games late on, didn't they? I mean, think back to the, the Tottenham game at home where Larissa's has thrown it in his own net and the shades of that at Sheffield United last week, uh, which was very late, wasn't it? Um, the capitulation midweek was interesting. You haven't seen that before. And that was the 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 intriguing thing about midweek that they they just they were shell shocked, weren't they? For however however long it was that Salzburg came back, it was one just before half time and then two pretty quickly afterwards. I don't know. I I I'm not really sure where where they sit defensively. They just seem like a team to me that they grind out. They just find a way to win, don't they? I mean, that's what mm. happened last Saturday. It happened all season last season. But they've got some potentially difficult games coming up over the next six weeks. They've got Leicester Saturday, United away after the international break, which again, you know, we can say whatever we want. They've got Tottenham at home uh, and then they've got City away starting November. So that is going to be a hell of a home. Sorry, that's going to be a hell of a test. Mm. Okay, if they can come, if they can come through that and win, win all those, and you go, well, that might be that. Maybe it is their year. Mm. Typical Liverpool getting United and Spurs just when they're in crisis mode. <laughs> Isn't that right? I'm I know, just, but the, just but the one-off that. games, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's the flip side of it. I, th- I, think, yeah, I, think, I think their approach to United game will be very different to last year when they probably thought. A, a draw was good enough to stay ahead of City and you know keep the momentum going. I think they'll see a very different approach going to Old Trafford this season. Mm. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so do Liverpool do enough to get past Leicester, or do we think that Leicester take points off Liverpool at Anfield, Jack? I think it's going to be a two-all draw. Big fan of that prediction. Howard? Yes, I did. I'm going for the same. <laughs> Go on, lads. I mean, look, obviously, as a, you know, as a City fan, yeah, Liverpool will somehow win the game in a controversial fashion. But you just look at that Leicester squad, it is absolutely packed with, you know, they've managed to bring in Tillmans and then keep him and, you know, the right back and they've got Madison, they've got a young squad, Vardy never gets injured. <laughs> you know, fingers crossed he doesn't in the next day or so. And uh, you forget they've picked up seeing you know, Perez as well. I don't know if he's injured at the moment. And they've replaced Maguire with no problems whatsoever. And players like Chilwell and indeed it's, it's a really good squad. That it really is, uh, and a manager who just fits there. You know, is coming at the right time. So really, it should be a very, very closely contested match. I think, yeah. Look, Rogers going back to Anfield. Um, First time, I, th- I think. Yeah, I think the fact that they were poor against United, that's the one blemish on their otherwise great yeah. record so far this season. They'll be up for it. They'll be ready for it. It's just a question of what they're faced with on the other side, whether what's happened in midweek against Salzburg is something that has gotten into the head of Liverpool or whether they can kind of brush it off very quickly and just get back into Premier League winning games mode and not conceding any chances or any goals mode. But then again, I think Sheffield United created enough chances to score a couple of goals. So there has been a little bit of that susceptibility there. It's just about whether Leicester can be clinical enough when they get into positions to to score a goal or two. I don't think I can bring myself to predict that Liverpool will drop points as much as I'd love to. I've just got a feeling that they they will get over the line. Um, okay, I tell you what, right. if I was if I was Pep, I'd be going. Uh, I'd be going to the theatre on Saturday afternoon. That's exactly what he did last year for the game at Anfield, and Leicester got a point 
I'm quite superstitious. Really? Yeah. Quite That's su- the Harry Maguire hunt. Yeah, I'm quite superstitious. So if I was him, I'd be uh, just finding whatever show I could in Manchester yeah, City Centre and going to watch it. Definitely Pep, go to the theatre, man. That's a top <laughs> idea. Jack, go on, still tell him in the press conference today. You've got to do that, Jack. Peppy going to the theatre tomorrow. <laughs> Excellent. Um, right, okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Mr. Jack, go on, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Howard, thank you very much. Yeah, pleasure. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. We've also got the 9320 player, four pounds a month. We do loads of podcasts during the week and during the season. We did a hundred, we did more than a hundred podcasts last season. So if you're interested in that, head over to our website and uh, sign up. In the meantime, be safe, be well, and as always, up the blues.